Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We've been talking about gaining in strength. And, and this morning, I, I want to talk a little bit about what, what does strength look like? What does real strength look like? Because we're, de- we're dealing in a world that's kind of confused. There's a lot of information now that's, that's going out towards young men, especially young single men. And it's all kinds of counsel and wisdom from YouTube and blogs and things. And I was reading a publication the other day, and this was an actual an actual article, nine bad boy tricks to get the girl of your dreams. And um, I'm thinking, okay, bad boy tricks. What are they talking? Where they're talking about that it's the bad boys that women are attracted to the bad boys. And so they were giving advice. They had nine things to do. You know, one of them was don't care too much. The other one was uh, be selfish. It says, be selfish. Like, you just be into yourself, and if she comes along, that's great. And, and then it said, pretend to be strong. And, and what they're trying to do is they're saying, hey, they're, they're writing to young men going, hey, you need, to, you need to be this strong alpha man. So they're giving them nine tricks on how to be a bad boy. Same article had, I mean, same publication had another article that's like, women prefer a man with a dad bod. You know what a dad bod is? A, a dad bod is, is what used to be a six pack. It's now more like a case. It's, it's, and, and here's this article is saying, no, if you, if you have a dad bod, then you're not a narcissist and you're someone who can probably care, you know, about a woman. And it's like, who in the world do you believe here? It's like, have a six-pack app and be selfish and strong or have a dad bod. Not care. I think dad bod's easier. I kind of like that idea, but <laughs> it, it's confusing. Hollywood's confused. Um, if you listen to Hollywood, they're saying that if you're going to be strong, pretty much you're going to be a jerk. Anybody remember in the 80s there was a, a, a television show called Dallas? And they had a it had a, a villain on there called J.R. And J.R. was a jerk. In fact, he was such a jerk, they shot him in one of finally, one of the, one of the, that was a big deal. Who shot J.R.? I mean, we, we all just pondered that for, for weeks. Um, today, the most popular television show is, is something called Succession. And everyone in there is a jerk if you're powerful. So Hollywood is saying if you're powerful, then you're, you're a harsh you know, if you're strong, you're a harsh, jerky person. They've actually done research that says that does not work long-term. It may work short-term. It does not work long-term. And then, of course, if you look at Hollywood, a lot of times they portray Christians as weak, kind of wimpy people who can't do much. And listen, you may have come to Christ in a moment of weakness, but i got good news for you. You may have come in weakness, but he will not leave you weak. He will strengthen you and help you, and it's, it's, that's, that's not it. And I'm, I'm grateful. There are movies starting to come out now done by Christians. They're showing Christianity in a better light and in a real light. And, and, and honestly, I like what John G. Lake said years ago. He said, 
He said, Christianity is the strong man's religion. He said, because the real strength, the real image of strength is in Christ. That's, that's, the, that's the greatest picture of strength. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and he's summing up. They were a church that came out of a very back, different background and he's summing things up. And this is, his, this is his words to him. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, that all you do be done with love. Would you leave it up there just for a moment? A lot of those are, are military terms, but he wasn't writing to just men. He was writing to the church. Watch, that means be alert. Stand fast in the faith. That's a, that's a, you stand firm in what you believe. That word be brave is an interesting translation. That's the New King James. The actual word mean, it's a military term that means act like men. It's what the military would tell one another before they went to battle. They're like, act like men. In other words, don't run. You stand there and deal with it. And so you see, act like men, be strong, and then let all you do be done with love. Well, that looks like a contradiction. It's like, watch, stand fast, be brave, be strong. Let all you do be done with love. But we've got the wrong picture of love. If you think love is like, I just got this ooey-gooey feeling. It's like, I just love you. I just love everybody. I just love you. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And it's a choice to make a decision for what's best for the other person. And God is love and God is strength and love is strong. And so when it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all you do be done with love. In fact, it's, he didn't even say try. He says, do this which means we have the capacity to do it. You see, it wouldn't be fair if we were given instructions like that and, and you go, well, you know, I just, I, I, I can't do that. I can't be strong. I, I, no, no, listen. When you became, when you made Jesus your Lord, you became what the Bible says, a new creation. And a new creation is not just you get to go to heaven when you die, although that's great. But it, what it is means that your spiritual makeup has changed and you are stronger. Now you have the capacity to be alert, to stand strong, to be brave, to do everything you do in love. You have that capacity. And so with having that capacity, it begins to change things. Christianity is anything but weak. And the one that we're connected to is strong. We need a mentality shift and the believing that we can be strong. Like Willie Parker. I've told you about Willie Parker before. Willie Parker, 82-year-old woman living by herself around Pennsylvania area. And uh, she's lying in bed one night. She hears an intruder breaking into her home. Willie said, I felt bad for him. <laughs> See, Willie Parker is a world-class bodybuilder and power lifter at 82. And Willie Parker called 911, and then she hid. But she didn't just hide under the bed waiting for the intruder to find her. She, she hid with a table in her hand. And he comes in, and she beat him with that table. In fact, she broke the table. When he fell on the ground, she poured a whole bottle of shampoo, the regular kind, not Catholic, well, a whole <laughs> bottle of, of shampoo in his face and then started beating him with a broomstick. That, that guy was glad when the police showed up to get her off of him. And Willie said something, she said something really powerful. She said, you know, she said, I may be old, but I'm strong. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's what we need to say as believers. I may have come from a, an area of weakness, but I'm united with Christ. And because I'm in him, I'm strong. I can do this. I can handle this. I've got strength. And so our mentality is I'm not running from life. I can face life because I'm connected with the one who is strength. 
and I'm strong. I want to give you a contrast this morning. I'm going to give you the contrast of a weak king in the Bible so we can learn what not to do. His name was Ahab. He's, when the nation of Israel split, Judah took two tribes and went one way. Israel took ten tribes and the headquarters was Samaria. They didn't do too well. In fact, their kings were horrible. And Ahab was one of the worst kings they'd ever had. He was a horrible king. Married a mean woman named Jezebel. Mean woman. She was, I'm not kidding. She was just ruthless. And uh, he set up idols to Baal. He was, he was just a horrible king. And he was weak. I'll show you something he did. It's just, don't do this. It came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it's near next to my house and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I'll give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money, or else it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Naboth, um, excuse me, Ahab got fixated on what he couldn't have. He had, remember we read he had a palace. And he had vineyards, not just one. He had other ones because he offered Naboth. He said, I'll give you, I'll give you one better than that. But he, he wanted that one, the one that was near to his house. And so he got fixated. That's, that's just what he wanted. He wanted that. And he wanted that. He got fixated on that. And when he asked Naboth for it, Naboth said, no, no. He said, the Lord forbid. Naboth was the only one that mentioned the Lord. He said, the, Lord, the Lord's not in this. He said, this is the inheritance of my fathers. In other words, this, this land has been in my family for generations. This, my granddaddy here and my dad was here. And this is our, our, our inheritance. No, I'm not going to give it to you. And even though Ahab had other vineyards and Ahab had, had other lands and he was living in a palace, he got upset because Naboth would not give him what he wanted. And it wasn't like it was strategic or a military piece. It was simply closer to his house. He's like, well, I've got some other vineyard. He had vineyards. He had a palace. He was the king. But he got fixated on what he couldn't have. So Ahab went and did what we had called, and I called growing up, he had a pity party. He, he goes into his house because he could not get what he wanted. Now listen. It's not that he did not suffer. Ahab did not suffer this horrible loss. And he did not suffer this pain of, or tragic accident. He couldn't get what he wanted. He had vineyards, but he wanted that vineyard. And he couldn't get that vineyard. And so he goes up and he goes to bed and he, and he won't eat. And he's selling. He wanted it. It was obvious that something was wrong because probably all the 
Servants are running around going, what's wrong? What's wrong with Ahab? I don't know, but he looks pretty down and he won't eat any food. And the word got back to Jezebel, his wife. And she comes in and she goes, what's wrong, baby? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> no, why, why won't you eat food? Because, why, baby, what's wrong with you? Well, Naboth, I asked for his vineyard and he won't give me his vineyard. He could have said, um, I asked for his vineyard, but it's part of his family. No, he just said, he said no. And he wouldn't eat. And he's, and he's sullen and, he's, and he's, it's, he's visibly upset. But he got exactly what he wanted. He got sympathy from his wife Jezebel. And she looks at him. I'll tell you, she's a mean woman. She said, I'll get you that vineyard. You, you get up and eat, baby. It's all going to be all right. You know what she did? She set up Naboth and framed him and had people accuse him of blaspheming God and blaspheming the king. They stoned him to death. They killed the man. And after they killed him, Jezebel went in and told Ahab, get up, baby. Go get the vineyard. Naboth is dead. Huge pity party. Got mad results. But here's the problem. Ahab forgot his role. He was the king. He was the king of God's people. His role was to fear God and be a good example. His role was to serve these people and bless these people and be a blessing to them and be even though he was in authority he wasn't supposed to abuse his authority he should have shut his wife down and said no 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 we're good we don't need to do that I'm the king my role is to bless these people not to hurt them but he wound up he forgot his role and a man died because of it that was weak he was a weak king so let's look on the opposite side of that how do we develop strength? What does strength look like? So here's, here's the first one. Strength is grateful. Real strength is grateful. I think we've looked at, 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 at being full of gratitude as kind of like the polite thing to do. Well, you know, I'm just, we say thank you. When I grew up in the South, my, my parents were very Southern, very polite. If someone gave me something, I had better say thank you. Thank you, appreciate thank you. And I think we've kind of viewed gratitude as being being. Uh, nice. Gratitude is being strong. Because here's the thing about gratitude. Gratitude helps us fixate not on what we don't have, but what we do have. When Paul wrote the church of Thessalonians, this is what he said. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In other words, you're, you're constantly talking to the Lord in prayer, connected there. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. And, and gratitude, what am, I, what am I doing? I'm giving thanks, but I'm giving thanks not just, for, not just for what I don't have, because no one gives thanks for that. Listen, there's always a gap between what you, you have and what you wish you had or what you want to have. If you focus on the gap, you will wind up being unhappy. But if you focus on what you do have, you're going to be okay. Now, uh, let me just add to this. Social media has not helped us here. Because people look at social media. I know pastors who have quit pastoring and quit the pulpit because they kept looking at social media at churches who were doing better than them and they quit. Instead of being grateful on what, what you do have. And so instead of focusing on the gap, Focus on the fact that, hey, the Lord has been good. The Lord has helped me. Look at all the wonderful things I have. Isn't it so easy? If one person criticizes you, you can be upset at the one instead of thinking about the 20 people who think you're wonderful. 
And so it becomes a function of, Lord, I want to thank you that this person who doesn't know much criticized me, but all these wonderful people who are brilliant, they love me and I love them and I am grateful. And you can be thankful for that. You know, Jesus, when he was uh, blessing the, the food and feeding the, the 5,000 and he fed the, the 4,000, the Bible said each time he either blessed it or he gave thanks for it. And really very similar. But they brought him, they brought him food. We got 5,000 people out there. He said, what are you, you going to bring me? And they brought him some uh, five loaves and two fish. Jesus didn't go, oh dear Lord, there's five loaves and two fish here. What in the world am I going to do with that? He took those five loaves and two fish and he began to praise God and thank God. And the Bible said to bless means to speak well of. And he spoke well of that and then it multiplied. Listen, we don't get miracles by cursing what we have. We get miracles by thanking God for what we have and watching him multiply and bless it. He blessed it. He blessed it before. So being grateful and, and thanking God, you have to cultivate that because it doesn't come easy. Here's the next one. You'll like this one. This is real strength does not give in to self-pity. <laughs> Here we go. You ready? Self-pity. What, 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 self-pity self is a excessive, a excessive focus, self-absorbed focus and unhappiness over one's troubles and problems. An excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over, over one's troubles and unhappiness. Now listen, here's what I'm not talking about. We're, we're in a large church. I get prayer requests in here that I'm telling you some of them would cur curl your hair of tragic things that have happened to people and terrible things and loss. And I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about if you lost a, a spouse or a child or a a loved one, or you had a tragic accident or lost your job. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about the things, it's kind of like Ahab. He couldn't have this. And he just began to, just like, life is horrible. And you hear people in self-pity, you hear them say things like, nobody likes me. I'm a failure. Life is, life is harder for me than it is for other people. Life is unfair. <laughs> Got news for you, Sparky. Life is unfair. And so, but, but you get, here's the problem. You get absorbed in this and all you can see is negatives. Secular article. Secular article says, how do you deal with self-pity? They said, the first thing is you need to recognize it. Now here's a challenge. If you grew up in a family where everybody in, in, indulged in self-pity, it'll be tougher for you. My family majored in it. They were good in it. Because all you had to do was come in and just act like you felt bad. What's wrong, Alan? Nothing. You okay? Yeah. Are you all going to be all right? Uh-huh. And what happens is a lot of times self-pity was a ploy for attention. And so it says if you want to you you eliminate it, because here's the deal, guys. Self-pity is not strong. It doesn't lead you on the path of strength. So it says recognize it. Challenge the negative thoughts. Be grateful. Get help. Now here's where as believers, we have help. God wrote to, God spoke to Joshua. It applies to us. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Guys, we're not alone. We're not on our own. 
And so we're not the ones who are out there going, I need someone to help me. Listen, if you need help, there's help available. We have counseling here. We have people who will listen and people who will help. But do not forget that God said he would never leave you or forsake you. We're not, we're not the ones who are forlorn and forsaken. We're the ones with God's help. And because we're the ones with God's help, we don't have to go down as far. Because when you go down that far, you can't even see God in the thing and you take him completely out of it. A man named Dwight Eisenhower is a, well, is a famous, as a general, he was the general behind the Allied invasion on D-Day, became the president of the United States. He said his mother was a wonderful woman who was just, just very godly, had great advice. He said when he was a boy, they're playing, I believe he was in Kansas, and they're playing uh, cards one, one day with his mom and his brothers, and his mother was a dealer, and she dealt him a bad hand, and Dwight began to complain, and he's just like, oh, oh, oh. And his mother said, boys, put your cards down. She said, I got something to say to you. She looked at, she looked, she said, especially to you, Dwight. She said, you're playing cards with your mother and your, and your brothers where there's love. She said, in life, you're going to be dealt some bad hands with no love. He said, don't complain. Play the hand you've been dealt. Ask God for his help and you will win at the game of life. Play the hand you're dealt. Don't go into the, the victim's mentality. Everything's bad for me. Everything's awful for me. No, you're, you're connected to the creator of the universe and he will help you. Self-pity doesn't lead to anything good. Here's the last one. Remember, real strength embraces a bigger role. What do I mean by a bigger role? King Ahab forgot he was king. But a bigger role, I'll give you an example. I was, recently, I, I didn't feel well, kind of had a headache, didn't sleep well. I'm just kind of feeling kind of, kind of, so I went to buy an energy drink. Forget Coke Zero. This, this, I need something with serious caffeine. And, and just, so I got like one of those rock star drinks with about like 300. So I'm standing there at the, at the counter and, and getting ready to pay for it. And I look at the clerk and I'm like, I ask her a question. Yeah, I kind of half smiled because I'm just kind of needed. As, as I'm ringing her up, she looks, all of a sudden she looks up and she goes, Pastor Allen. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so here I am just feeling like, no, I just need to get, I need to get the drink, get out of here. All of a sudden, she called me out. I'm her pastor. She goes to the church. Her kids go to the church. So I just can't look at her and go, lady, give me a break. Not today. Because I'm her pastor, I'm supposed to be a blessing in her life, right? If you met me, you wouldn't expect me to look at you and go, leave me alone, I got a headache. I, so I just, I just looked over, I said, hey, I brightened up immediately. I smiled at her. We conversed. What happened? She calls me to remember the role I have as a pastor. And the role I have as a pastor is I am supposed to be a blessing to you. I'm supposed to be kind to you. That's why I don't put an arc sticker on my car because I don't drive like I should. And so... <laughs> But that's my role. And you say, well, man, that's tough to be you. I'm glad I don't have that role, or do you? Now, you may not be a pastor, but if you've made Jesus your Lord, you actually do have a role. And it's bigger than you. Romans, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. He says this, we who are strong, that's us, ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors. 
for their good to build them up. Even Christ did not please himself. But as is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He's writing this to the church. He's writing this to us. And he's saying, these words still apply. He said, listen, he said, Christianity is different. Real Christians, we don't run over the weak. We don't ignore the weak. We help the weak. Real Christianity is not just what I can do for me. Lord, bless me, bless me, give me blessings, be a blessing to me. It's let me be a blessing to everyone else. And so our role is, is not just, hey, I'm just down here and I don't, have, I don't have to be nice to anybody. Nobody even knows I go to church. No, listen, if you're a believer, you are connected with Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. We're the ones that reach into our neighborhood. We're the ones called to be a blessing. And that's our role. But here's the beautiful thing about it, guys. Bigger role, bigger life. Because when we just get so focused on what our life is and me and what's happening to me, something's always happening to us. Someone put it this way. He said, if you've only got one room in your house and something happens to that room, you're in trouble. He said, but if you have multiple rooms, if something happens to that one room, you move to another one. In other words, we begin to move out beyond. We're called to do that. Bigger role. Not selfish. Bigger role. Real strength is willing to reach out. There's a book written called The Way Back. And it talks about the early church and how the, the early church in Rome reached the Romans. They didn't, Roman culture was harsh. They were brutal, they were unkind. And instead of the Christians railing against the culture, the Christians in the early church reached the culture. But here's how they reached them. They didn't reach them by telling Romans how bad and awful they were. They lived differently. The early church, they, they took in their abandoned babies. They ministered to the sick and the wounded. They didn't leave them alone. They actually reached out to them. They gave dignity to the slaves. They were willing to stand for what they believed, actually willing to die for what they believed. And their actions were so different that the Romans became curious as to about these Christians and the Jesus they represented. Guys, we're called to be different. How do we reach our area? Yeah, we can invite them to church. Do that. Keep doing that. But live a life that looks to bless, not just be blessed. That's how we are creating a difference. It'll make a big difference. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you came today and said, you know what, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Christ, but I'd like that. Or maybe you're saying, I used to have a relationship with the Lord and I've gotten away from Him. No one's looking around, but if that's you, and you would like our prayers, we're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. If you're saying, Alan, that's me. I, I don't know about my relationship. I want to be sure. I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across this auditorium and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can still pray this prayer. This is a hard prayer. I'm going to pray it with you. I can't see if you're online, but you can pray this with us as well. Simple prayer, but it's powerful. 
We're going to pray it as a church family out loud. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But pray this, say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, with heads still bowed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've come out of spiritual darkness into the light and for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them at the wonderful plans you have for them. Father, thank you that we can live as people of strength. Jesus is our example, our model, and our strengthener. And Lord, we're grateful for that. Help us reach the people in our area, people in our neighborhood, people where we work. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.